I want to talk to you this morning in my part of the message. We've got, uh, we've got probably the best part of the message that's coming after mine. It's the part that I look forward to. It's when our rooted uh, deliver a message um, that comes together as a grounded and rooted message, and that's Kirsten Schuler today. So stay tuned for that. Uh, if you click off during me, make sure you revisit in just about 10 minutes because Kirsten will be here. I want to talk to you, though. I want to set things up today. We're going to move into a new uh, area for the next few weeks in this discipleship journey, and we're going to talk about what it means to be called as a disciple. And we have different stages in which we watch the disciples being called. You'll remember Peter and, and James and John, these people were fishing in a boat as Jesus walks by. Andrew is, is by the, the river when Jesus is getting baptized, and he follows Jesus, and he wants to know where Jesus is. All of these are different ways in which people are called to follow Christ. There's the other part of calling that says, what are we called to do? And I want to set some of this up today. For this, I want to use the scripture that Matthew gives us. Matthew is one of those that's called later. Remember, Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew, for a lot of uh, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, was sitting in his tax booth collecting taxes from people. Jesus is going to walk by his booth one day, and he's going to say, Matthew, come and follow me. And Matthew is going to leave the tax booth, and he's going to follow Christ and become a disciple and eventually an apostle of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But Matthew's going to record in his ninth chapter these words for us. So just take a minute and listen to these words. Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, all right, Indianapolis and Santa Claus. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So he's a teacher, he's a preacher, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So let's cut it right there and let's come back to that. Jesus has been going through big cities and little villages, and he has been teaching, he has been preaching, and he has been healing. It says every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Let me tell you what that is from Scripture. You could go back and you could do a survey yourself. But let me help you with that because you don't necessarily have time to do that and I don't have time to let you do that this morning uh, as I'm trying to tell you what I'm trying to say. Jesus has been approached by a ruler just before this, Matthew tells us. He's been approached by a ruler whose daughter has died. Now, they have already heard that Jesus has the ability to bring people back from the dead. That means he's already been doing it. Otherwise, a ruler wouldn't have come to him and said... Jesus, my daughter has died. I need you to come and do something for her. The person that we normally call when our child has died is not the doctor. But this ruler has come to Jesus with the expectation, because of what Jesus has already been doing, that his daughter can live again. Well, Jesus follows this ruler. And on the way, it says in Matthew, that there is a woman who is hemorrhaging blood. 
And all she's going to try to do as Jesus walks down the street is touch the hem of his cloak, and, and she does. Now, we have in the other Gospels, Jesus knowing that power has left him. In Matthew, Matthew, Matthew just records the facts of this, and it says she was healed, and Jesus notices her and says, be of good cheer, because your faith has made you well. Jesus goes ahead with this ruler. He goes into the house and everybody's crying and everybody's weeping. It's what we do, especially when our children die. And Jesus says, leave and let me work. And it says, he looks at the people and he says, this girl's not dead. This girl's sleeping. Now, does that mean the girl hadn't actually died in this world? No. It's the same type of thing that Jesus is going to do with Lazarus before all this is done. He's going to take that which had passed beyond this world into the unseen, and he's going to pull it back into this world. And he takes the little girl by the hand, and he says, stand up. And the girl wakes up. Not from a good night's sleep, but from the eternal sleep. Hmm. Healing every kind of disease and sickness. A woman that is hemorrhaging blood, a girl that has died. Jesus is going to come down off of the hill, and he's going to have been teaching, and a man is going to come, wrestling his son before Christ, because the Bible tells us that his son is demon-possessed. And it says that this boy would go into a fit because of these demons. And he would throw himself into the fire. And we've got a father who is beside himself, literally holding his son as tight as he can, saying to Jesus, can you do anything for me? And Jesus casts the demon out of the boy. And he heals the child. He teaches in the synagogues. He preaches the gospel, and he heals every kind of disease. But listen to Matthew's commentary. But when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Now, <laughs> As I was reading scriptures for this week, and this was before me, I sat back in my chair and said, are you kidding? You got to be joking. A woman that is hemorrhaging blood comes to Jesus, and he heals her. A ruler whose daughter has died, and he raises her from the dead. A man holding his son as tight as he can because he's possessed and throwing himself into the fire brings him to Jesus. And Matthew's commentary, remember, this isn't written in red. This is not Jesus' words. This is Matthew's commentary on what he's experiencing with Christ. And Matthew's commentary says to him at this point, but when he saw the multitudes, now he's moved with compassion? Boy, I sat back in my chair. And all of a sudden, I had to re-examine, have I had a clear understanding of everything that Christ has called me to do? Have we been called to heal the sick? Absolutely. 
Have we been called to set the captive free? Absolutely. Have we been called to teach? Yes. Have we been called to preach? Absolutely. But listen to these words from Matthew, because it's not until Jesus looks out at the multitudes, and what does Matthew say that he saw? He said, because he saw they were weary and they were scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. And he says to his disciples, pray, pray, because the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send out laborers in to his harvest. And can I tell you that I have spent the last week to week and a half thinking about, so what exactly is it as Jesus was calling these people to follow him? What exactly was it that he was asking them to pay attention to? The people that are, are going to, throughout the next 2,000 years, bring to the throne of God those that are struggling with disease, yes. Those that need to be taught, yes. Those that need a preacher, yes. But never in our calling to lose sight of the fact that one of the things that moved Jesus to compassion, not just action, but compassion, were those when he looked out who were weary. Of course, you know what this made me do. I had to go back and say, well, what exactly did Matthew mean by weary? And there's two options that, there's two options that we could choose from. One of them is an option that's been used all the way through Scripture that is found in places like Isaiah in the Hebrew form. Isaiah 51 talks about the weary. Another word that could be used maybe in your Scripture is a word called fatigued. And in, in Isaiah 51, it's a warning from Isaiah to the people that says your sons are fatigued and they're, they're caught in the nets. Before the throne of God. Now that's not the weariness that I believe Jesus is talking about. But it's one of the options that we have to consider. This is the weariness that I experienced on 10 and 12 mile runs in the army. Those are long in my past. But you would be running in the army and you would get fatigued. Now, this isn't the weariness. This isn't the fatigue of, I've done all I can do. This is the fatigue of, I've had about all of this I can take. And in the military, they call that falling out. And let me tell you, if you're running in the military and you become fatigued and you fall out to the side, you can count on the fact that there is a sergeant if it's in basic training, it's a drill sergeant. If it's, if it's in your formation, you can almost guarantee it's your first sergeant. And he's going to be on your feet. And he's going to be yelling at you to get over your fatigue, to get over this idea that you're ready to fall out of this 
formation run, get back in there and run. That's the Isaiah 51 passage. Don't let your sons fall out. Don't fall out because you've just had enough of it. There's a message there. The other is the weariness that we also experienced on 10 and 12 mile runs. Sometimes you just didn't have it in you to finish 10 or 12 miles. Sometimes in life we just don't have what it takes to get back in formation and finish that. This is the weariness that Jesus is going to talk to us about when he says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Because tomorrow, you can try that 10-mile run again. Tomorrow, you can get up and do it again. But you know what? To today, you may just need to be weary. Jesus looks out at the masses. Now, which one are you going to choose when Jesus is having compassion? Do you think it's the one where he's my first sergeant that comes running up behind me and says, get back in formation? Or do you think it's the one where Jesus is looking out at the multitudes and the masses and he has compassion? Come to me, you who are weary, and I'll give you rest. Because you see, if it's that one, then, then the calling that he is placing on his disciples when he says, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Can I tell you the way I generally have heard that preached? The way I've generally heard that preached is, the harvest is plentiful, meaning there's all these people that need to be saved from their sins. And is that true? Absolutely, that's true. We need to be saved from our sins in this world. But is that the only thing we're called to do? Can I ask you a question? Six weeks in to this pandemic, six weeks into this crisis, what has made you fatigued the way Isaiah 51 talks about being fatigued? Boy, I'm just fed up. And I'm just done with it. And what's made you weary? What is it in your life that you've just said, I just don't know if there's one more day? You see, I think Jesus is looking out at the masses and they're scattered. Are we scattered? We're scattered right now because this sanctuary of the Lord is empty. We're scattered. But beyond being scattered, I think we're weary. And yes, some of us are weary in the fatigued way where we're just fed up. But brothers and sisters, can I tell you that some of us are weary just because we're thinking about one more day. Where's the money? Where's the purpose? Pray, Jesus says, because the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. And pray to the Lord of the harvest because He will send workers into the field. And my question to you this morning is, as I make way for Kirsten here, is are you listening to what it is exactly Jesus is calling you to do in this time?
Certainly, we need to pay attention to the salvation and the souls, but we also need to pay attention to who we're being in the name of Christ. Are we being the people of encouragement that lifts people out of weariness, or are we a part of that, that mindset right now that just says to people, really, one more day? We are called to be people of the harvest. And I would propose to you this morning that in Matthew 9, 35 through 38, Matthew is observing something about Christ. Of everything that Christ was called to do in this world, healing the sick, teaching, preaching, all of these things, the thing that moved Christ's heart on this day was the fact that he looked out upon a people and he saw that they were just flat out tired. And they were scattered. And he turned then to his disciples and he said, I want you to take note because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. God bless. Good morning, church. I am stoked to be here with you today. And God has been placing a lot of things on my heart and a lot of great things and so I'm so excited to share those with you so before we get started I would like to open in prayer dear Lord God thank you so much for this opportunity thank you so much for the passion you have put in me to share this message this morning and thank you for all the signs you have given me and please let my light shine this morning God because I'm here because of you I'm here and I do what I do because I want to spread who you are and everything you encompass God so please be with me this morning and give me the courage and strength to share everything that you need me to share God amen I would, I guess I'll be speaking with this now. To start off, I would like to thank Pastor Tim. Uh, we met Wednesday on a Zoom call, and my heart was a lot of different places. There was a lot of different things that Christ was putting on my heart, but I didn't know where I was needing to be led. And after that Zoom meeting, Pastor Tim made it a lot more clear through Christ what I needed to be talking about and what I needed to focus on. And something he said that I really need to say because it stopped me in my tracks when I heard it. He said, we don't all need the same thing to get out of weariness. And just like he was talking in his sermon, everyone's going through a weariness right now and we're all experiencing something and the way we get out of it is how we handle what Christ puts in our lives and so I'm going to be using the same verses and in case you weren't here for when Pastor Tim spoke I would like to share those with you now and it's Matthew 9 verses 35 through 38 and it says Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The first thing that jumped out to me when I read this 
was like sheep without a shepherd. And this, my mind went straight to Shelby. She sings a song and it says that God would leave the 99 to find the one. You are so important and a part of God's flock. But as I started to think about the different flocks, I came up with God's flock. And if you're in God's flock, you're living for his glory. You're spreading his love and great news. Everything that you do is for his purpose and to bring more glory to his name. And as Christians, that, that is what we strive to do. But what we strive to do and what our intentions are can be different from our actions sometimes. So then I came to the worldly flock. Living without a greater purpose following the beliefs and the desires of this world. And it's so easy to get caught up in the immediate satisfaction we get from some of the earthly situations that we choose or the choices we make. But then how does that relate to anything bigger? What is the greater purpose? And maybe you're in God's flock, but you're wandering. Where are you supposed to be at? God, why? Why is this happening? Why am I experiencing this? Why am I going through this? And so what do we do when we find ourselves wandering? Well, God tells us here, like sheep without a shepherd, he is our shepherd. He is there for us. And even when we're wandering, he will leave the 99 to find you the one. But regardless of what flock you're in, what are you feeling? Are you feeling lost, incomplete, lonely, broken, Are you searching for something? Are you feeling strong, empowered, purposeful, loved? Well, I've got some good news from you. And everyone could use a little good news. And so if you are doing good, give praise. Give praise to God. Thank him for all that he has done. Because so often we go to God when we're struggling and God, why is this happening? We question, why is this happening? What does this have to do with anything? But then when we're in times that where we feel prosperous or we are doing good, we forget to thank God. And in 1 Thessalonians, it says in chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, rejoice always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And that leads me to my next point. But what about the troubled times? What about when you are feeling harassed and helpless? Who are you thinking that God will send for you? Well, God has sent his word and prayer, and fellowship in his name when we are going throughout those times. And so do not fear because we have hope and beauty in the name of Christ. And speaking of that, God has put some things on my heart that I want to share with you all about getting through those times of trouble. To start off, what is your why? Why do you do what you do? What is it that makes you go on day to day? And for me, what came to my mind was going back to the basis of faith and believing without seeing. In Hebrews 11.1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And the internet definition says, Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So, 
when something's coming to terms with the why, remember the faith that got you there in the first place. Because when you accept Christ into your heart, you're not just taking a step, you're taking a journey with him. And Christ tells us that to be in relationship with him, we have to have faith. And so when you're going through those times of asking why and you don't know what your why is, remember that when you first accepted Christ into your life or when you first began to know Christ, what your why was. And as Christians, our relationship with Christ is based on the idea of faith. And so when we're struggling and not knowing what our purpose is, we have to go back to the basics. And growing up, I was raised in a Christian household, and I heard of God, and I knew who he was, but he wasn't my Lord, if that makes sense. He was my Lord when I fully had him in my heart and I let him take over my life. And that was when my parents got divorced. I realized that if I was going to continue throughout this life and experience the hardships and troubles like we're talking about right now, where you may be in that field and in that harvest and not know where you're going or what you're supposed to do, I needed God to guide me. I needed to have that faith and believe in what I could not see and that whatever was going to happen, it was happening for a reason. And so if we claim to have faith as disciples and Christians, then why do we so often find ourselves worrying or trembling when obstacles come our way? Or we find ourselves in trouble? It's kind of ironic to think about. And so first, when we're having trouble, reflect at where you're at and why you're doing what you're doing. Next, I have finding refuge. And when you're in times of trouble, being a refuge, Christ tells us that he is our protector and he is there and that he wants to help us. But what we need to do is that when we realize our why and that God is there and we can trust in everything he is and that we don't need the sight, that he's there to be our refuge. He's there to protect us. And he is going to send out people like he was talking about in Matthew and to harvest the people. Because the workers are few, but when you find refuge in God, he is going to send someone for you. He will, not, he will leave the 99 for you. Next, I have seek unity. Not only spiritually, but also with pe other people. And God desires us to have fellowship with everyone. But there's a fine line in fellowship. And what I mean by that is that Jesus warns us about who you surround yourself with. But it's also not in our place to judge others because what we see when we judge others is a superficial layer of who they are. God knows the intentions of everyone's heart. And so when God puts someone in your life, when he sends a worker to come out and get you in that harvest, don't push them away. Know that God has a plan. And that everything that happens in your life is for a purpose. It is so easy to judge others by their actions while we judge ourselves by our intentions. And so when you're seeking unity, seek it within Christ and realize that whatever unity he is putting in your life, whether through him or through other people, that it is happening for a reason. Reflect spiritually. 
After submission and seeking protection and unity, ask God where you're at spiritually. Why are you going through these troubling times and why is it affecting you the way it is? Because you can go throughout the same situation multiple times but have different responses. It's just like perspectives. If you ask someone the way they see a picture versus another way, they're going to give you different answers. The other day, I asked some of my family members and some of my friends what they thought beauty was. And I'll tie that later into the message. But I asked them what they thought beauty was, and some said makeup, some said the way a person appears, and others said who they are as a person. And none of them are wrong, and none of them are right. They're just different perspectives. And so when we're reflecting spiritually, Remember to pray for a deeper love and understanding of Christ because even though you may have a different perspective or outlook than what Christ may have for you at the time, just pray and humble your heart and ask that you can see it in his eyes. Finding the freedom and accepting new life. Everyone's going throughout troubles in their life at some point or to some degree. And most often when we have trouble in our life, it comes from sin, guilt, heartaches, expectations, fears. And they can all entrap you in this invisible cage. And you don't know what to do. And then that's where you go back to the why. You don't know why you're doing all these things, but Christ tells you there is a why. And that is because he sent his only son down. That is your why. And so now is the time. I challenge you to drop the burdens that you are carrying and that are bogging you down, but instead pick up and open your heart to the love of Christ that he wants to give you so bad. And when you're spreading this freedom and truth of others and experiencing it yourself, you have to realize that we did not earn that freedom ourselves, and that's what makes it so beautiful, and that's what makes his truth beautiful. In Colossians 3, 1, the idea of it is that Christ's resurrection was also our resurrection. Christ not only died the physical death, but he laid down our sins so that they no longer had to be burdens that we had to carry. And because of that, we have freedom in his name. But it all comes down to free will. You have Freedom. God gives you freedom. God makes that available because of what he did. But it's a choice. Are you going to accept that freedom and live a life that is new in Christ? Or are you going to choose differently? Having hope and finding beauty. And notice I'm not ending this with good times. Because in reality, life is neither good times or bad times. There are experiences in your life that I've collected and the way you perceive those and handle those and the relationship you are in with Christ throughout those experiences is what makes it up. And I always go back to Job when I think of this because Job had everything taken away from him and never once did he doubt God or blame anything on him. And so when we're going through those troubled times, have a Job-like attitude and know that there is a plan and a purpose. Because of Christ, we have hope. We have hope that there is a rescuer and a shepherd that we know is by our side. 
We are not wandering like the sheep. There is a shepherd there that is waiting for you. The hope that we have a rescuer for the helpless and harassed crowd, God is calling us to harvest. In that verse, God is calling the workers of his name to harvest the people that don't know him yet. And if you are a worker of God, you're not doing a normal type of labor. You are working for the Christ, and that is the best work you will ever do. And so finding beauty through it all, everything has perfections, and nothing is truly perfect in one sense. But it's the way that you look at those perfections and the way you see things that you find beauty. And so as we're going throughout these times that are unprecedented or we're not sure the purpose of it all, realize that there is beauty and imperfection. There is beauty in trouble and there is beauty in the unknown. You just have to look at it at a different light and ask God to show you what he wants you to see. And as I was outside the other day, I was just looking at nature and I realized that everything beautiful has to overcome something. Everyone has their own story and something they have gone through where they feel like they have been knocked down, beaten down, trampled, and they're going all the way back to the why we first talked about. Why have faith? Why trust in God when I can just handle it all until you realize you can't and you're in those troubled times? Everything beautiful has to overcome something. And it was so easy for people when, when they heard the word beauty, they responded with nature, they responded with other people, they responded with personality. But very few people said myself. And I know that's going to sound conceited at first, but it's true because you are made in God's image. You are beautiful. It's having that perspective of Christ and seeing yourself and the purpose you have through Christ. And so when you're going through these troubled times and you're feeling weary, know that God can use you as a worker because everyone's weariness needs a different type of help. And so you are important and you are needed and Christ is waiting for you to come to him so that his harvest may be even more printed plentiful because his harvest is always needing to be tended. There are always people that are struggling, but it's where we are at and where our heart is and how we can help Christ. I would like to close this up with prayer. Dear Lord God, as you place harvest all around us, please help us to realize that as Christians that we yearn to work for you, God, and that the labor that we put into the things that we experience throughout life is that we do everything for you, God. And whatever things we are going through, the troubles, the sin, the heartache, the chains that we feel from the guilt or the things that we are experiencing in life, help us to drop those chains, God, so that we can work fiercely and wonderfully in your name, God. Because anything and everything in your name is good, right, and pure. Help us to trust that your vision and your knowledge and what you have planned and all this craziness going on right now is all for a greater purpose that we may not know. 
Please be with everyone listening right now and watching and help them feel your love and comfort through the good times and the troubled times and how we use those times to help the other people that we are harvesting in your name. Amen. I would like to close now. I hope you guys drew a lot from Pastor Tim's sermon and my sermon. I know Pastor Tim definitely affected me this morning and I hope you guys feel overwhelmed right now. You are called as a worker in Christ. God is choosing you to harvest people. That's like getting a job offer from the biggest business in the world. It's awesome. So accept it. You wouldn't turn that down, so why turn God down, the most important person ever? The creator of heaven and earth is choosing you to lead his people and to show his people the way, the truth, and the life, and that is him. And so as we're going through this time that is unprecedented and it's hard to experience new things and change can be difficult, remember that through Christ, through the good times and the bad times, everything will work out and it's for a greater purpose. So thank you for tuning in today and we hope to see you next week and I hope you all have a blessed week. Thank you.